Welcome. So this year is going to be the 20th anniversary of 9-11, right? So here's my story. That morning, I worked the overnight the night before, on the 10th, right? And I get off the morning of the 11th. I go home. At the time, my sons were, whoa, one and a half and like six months or something like that. But they were toddlers. So I go home. I get home. I'm sleeping. Try to go to sleep. And then my wife knocks on, you know, she wakes me up. She goes, you know, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. I'm like, yeah, are you kidding? Get out of here. So she puts on CNN, and there it is, right? I go, oh, man, that's bad. So I kind of go back to sleep. She comes in again. Another plane just hit the, you know, hit the World Trade Center. What? So I jump up, and I'm like, uh, this is intentional. You know, in my mind, I'm like, right. this is intentional. This is real bad. So at that time, we had pagers. All, all employees from my department had pagers, and, and the pager went off. Everybody come in. So I got up, packed the bag, because I knew it was going to be more than a, just an eight-hour shift. Um, left my wife and my two young toddlers, same thing, rushed into, you know, into work. I got deployed down to Forest Hills. I went to pick up, then I went to pick up some supplies for the OR they had set up down at Chelsea Piers. And me, myself, and two other coworkers drove right into uh, to Chelsea Piers and, and helped set up down there. And just when it just to me, it just spoke to when you said we get up and we just go in yep. and, you know, and I left my wife was scared. Of course, she's got two toddlers there. I don't think I went back home for like two days. I think I stayed at work for. Um, but my experience down at Ground Zero was honestly, we rushed all the way there. Lights and sirens blazing. And, but by the time we got there, the second tower had already fallen by that time. But, but we were just in a long caravan of EMS providers and medical providers that were just waiting for patients, and there were no patients. Yeah, yeah by the time we got there, it was, it was just like eerie silence. I saw not one patient down at uh, Ground Zero, and that was like, it really hit. Like, oh, this is very, you know, that's not a good sign. Um, so that was kind of my 9-11 story. Back to the Lights and Sirens podcast with your host, Bernie Robinson. Today is September 11th. Um, there are a lot of memorials, tributes, ceremonies going on, news specials, documentaries, TV specials, and everything else going on. And we are being definitely inundated, I mean, justifiably and rightfully so, with remembering what happened on this day 20 years ago. You know, we all have a story of what we were doing on September 11th, whether we were responders, we were working, we were home, in school. You know, I'm actually, I find myself now at work with employees and staff that have, that were in middle school during September 11th or, you know, maybe not even born yet during, at that time. And it's crazy, but, you know, that's how long it's been. That's how long it's been. Uh, this is a, a definitely a solemn day. You know, and I think about a lot of the people I work with, um, some that are suffering long-term effects from, you know, extended exposure down at Ground Zero, some that died on that day, um, you know, tragically. And it's just a day of reflection 
for me. Uh, I, you know, I thought about a lot of what, what I was going to do for this episode, but you know what? Everybody else is doing so much. I, I just wanted to talk about it as, you know, just talk about it. And that's it. Um, no special guests, nothing like that. And just kind of reflect as myself on that day. You know, I did share my story, my 9-11 story, which you've heard by now. And, you know, it's anticlimactic, uh, to say the least. Uh, And that's not, you know, necessarily a good thing when you think about all the victims that there were and to not, you know, have that rush of patience. Obviously, in the initial um, occurrence, there was the rush and then everybody kind of left, jumped on. Um, ferries and, and, and over the bridge and got, and got out of town as fast as possible. So the immediate epicenter, that's not where the patients were, but they were at the outer hospitals. And, we, you know, we did see a lot of that. But just I remember that feeling of, wow, there's no patients, you know, and, and we were ready to go. And that day, you know, it was a crazy day. It was It was a nice day, very clear out and... We got that call. But I also remember, you know, missing co-workers that couldn't be located. Um, you know, one particular co-worker, I think he was one of our supervisors, was down there. And they could not locate him for probably close to six to eight hours because there was no cell phone service once the towers um, collapsed. And I just remember the panic and the fear in everyone's face the concern for, for that co-worker, that missing supervisor, who later ended up being found safe and is uh, still doing well. But um, tons of stories like that. And then there were people who didn't come back or, or, or weren't recovered, you know, and, and we lost co-workers. I remember seeing a poster of the victims, the um, EMS you know, there were a lot of different posters, right? There were posters with all of the firefighters that perished. And then there was a poster I saw with EMTs and medics that perished. And I'm looking at the posters and I'm picking off the people that I know going, wow, you know, I knew this guy. I knew that guy. I, I remember there were two young guys that I worked with when I worked at New York City EMS. And they were, they were new. They were rookies. Uh, Jimmy Coyle and Joe Henry. And good guys. Great, you know, young guys. They obviously, they were working in EMS, but their goal was to, you know, take the latter um, path into the fire side. Because at that time, we had merged with FDNY, Fire Department of New York. And, you know, it was allowed that, they made it so that if you were an EMT or a paramedic, you could be promoted to a firefighter. So these guys, what happened was a lot of the younger guys would come in that wanted to be firefighters, and it was a pathway to get to fire. You go through EMS, and then you upgrade, if you will, to firefighters. So that was a path at the time a lot of younger guys were taking that wanted to become firefighters. And these two guys were two of those um, candidates. And I, I worked with both of them. And... um you know, we talked, they were cool. And I remember seeing their faces on the poster of firefighters that perished, you know. 
And I, I, that hit, like, wow, I, I knew these guys. I sat in an ambulance with these guys. We joked around, you know? Um, so I always remember those two guys because we worked at Station 36 together, New York City EMS. And um, that definitely hits home every year. I remember I saw a firefighter, Andre Fletcher. And I remember Andre because he was a FDNY firefighter, but he was also a paramedic. And, and he was a black guy. So you thinking back then, I think the fire department might have been 2% uh, black back then. And I remember seeing him on the calls and thinking, wow, this guy is like, you know, I kind of looked up to him. Like, he's a black guy, he's a firefighter, which was rare. And he's a paramedic, which was kind of rare. Um, but he did both. You know, and he's a good guy, you know, funny be on scenes, very cool, very approachable. But like I said, it was just something like, wow, he hit two goals that, that you know, are hard to reach. And um, he was well-respected, well-liked, you know, and just, I remember, I see his face on the poster. I'm like, wow, can't believe he's gone. He worked out, I believe they were in the Canarsie area of Brooklyn. So whenever I did, you know, uh, motor vehicle accidents or, or jobs of that nature in Canarsie, I would we would do calls and his his um, firehouse would respond so we would you know see each other on scenes of calls like that so I remember him you know and there were dozens other I, and that, some partners that I thought were missing that later turned up um, which was a relief and just you know like I said it's part of the job but it's something that we remember and and there are there are dozens more that I know you know that died after. Um, but, you know, just touching on those three guys, because I remember them vividly. These are people I, you know, physically worked with or saw every day. You know, and I, and I do believe at that time I had already left New York City EMS to work where I currently work, um, Northwell EMS. But um, had I been working for New York City still at that time, I definitely would have either been down there immediately or spend extended amount of time afterwards you know on special details because that's just what we did we we did it um one for the love of the job two obviously it was overtime and i i know a lot of my friends and, and former co-workers spent hours and hours and hours uh for months down at at the pile um Working either morgue detail or or whatever detail they had, you know, to uh, for them to do, and uh, you know, I think about their safety all the time and 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 their health, as well as my own from from being down there. Like I said, my time wasn't extended um, down there; it was all the, the whole first day. But then, like the next, I actually stayed at work probably for two days straight. Um. Just because you got to realize we have an operation, but we also, you know, we have an entire other operation. We we were part of a health, we are part of a health system, so we had to make sure that the regular business continues as well, right? Business continuity. So in addition to all the resources we had allocated for the emergency response down at 9-11, we still had an operation that had to be run, so we're still doing our transports between different facilities and, and, and those obligations that we had. So imagine you have, I don't know, 
15, 25% of your resources dedicated to this emergency and then the rest of it is trying to function without cell phone capabilities and, and everything else on limited technology and still keep the day-to-day operation running, which is a very big operation. Um, one of the largest EMS departments in the East Coast to keep running and functioning. So that was the task that our leadership had also at the time. You know, and it was an all hands on on situation. And I think that, you know, we rose out of it. We 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 definitely became stronger for it or from it. And we learned a lot. And, and that's what we have to do in this business. You learn and then you add that to what you already know and then you grow. So I'm proud of the response from, you know, just the the industry that we had to this. And, and, you know, and the, and the improvements that were made because of it. And, you know, I definitely never forget that day. Um, specifically, I won't forget the drive in to um, Chelsea Piers, which is. All right. So Chelsea Piers is probably about a quarter of a mile north of where the World Trade Center actually is, if not, maybe a little longer than that. But, um, you know, we were a, a bit from the pile itself where the officers and the firefighters were still searching and searching, and, you know, and down in there. But um, the ride in <laughs> driving from Queens into Manhattan, we drove through the tunnel and I was with um, a co-worker of mine, Ray Smith and, and Tim Dachau. It was the three of us driving and Ray Smith was driving and um. Timmy was, I believe, in the front passenger seat. I was in the back, strapped in, and Ray was probably driving about 100 miles an hour, just fixated on getting in there. You could see the smoke billowing out of the ground, this huge plume of smoke, two plumes of smoke, and, you know, and, and the adrenaline's going, and, and Ray is just driving probably 100, at least 100 miles an hour. No cars are on the road except for emergency vehicles. And I, and, and I remember Timmy screaming at him, slow down. And, and it was just a chaotic ride in. And it feels like we got there in seconds. Um, and, you know, and, and the three of us every year, we, we reflect and remember that day. Because like I said, we spent that day together with the other responders and, you know, down there. But just some memories that I have, my personal memories from that day. And I guess this is kind of like, I don't really talk that much about this day other than with my wife. Um, you know, and a few friends, but it's like, hey, you know, brief, very brief discussions, but never really talked about the day itself. But um, it was a lot happening. And I remember also at 9-11, the, when we were at the hospitals, the people, the public were coming up to us asking what they can do. How can they help? Is there anything we can do? Where can we donate blood? And you could see in their eyes, they genuinely just wanted to do something. They felt helpless because, you know, they they just witnessed all of this death and destruction. And it was people of all races, sizes, shapes, genders, colors, whatever, pronouns. And it didn't matter. They just wanted to help and donate blood. And, you know, one of the things I remember is that at the worst, one of the darkest hours in history, it brought out the compassion in everyone, you know, and 
it, it's it's just kind of you know amazing to see that that in, in these worst times and you, in, in this field we see it right we'll see a bad accident or a bad event and people want help you know and people you know that it kicks in and like i said it doesn't matter who you're helping you just want to help that person and those people and there was an outpouring of that which was amazing and the only other time i saw it to that magnitude was during um covid19 obviously where people were just donating masks and trying to help and donating food so you know it's crazy there's a lot of craziness happening in the world, but it just seems like there are times when people just do genuinely come together and it's out of the desire to help someone. And, and, and that's our basic, basic form. And, and I think that's our basic nature of humanity. You know, all this other crap that comes with it after and stuff that you've learned and behaviors or one thing. But in times of tragedy like this, it, you see that the people do have good nature as well, and, and they, they genuinely care about other people. So that's my 9-11, you know, talk and discussion, you know, and I guess it's been a while since I've spoken, though we've, we've had an episode, you know, but I'm back, we're back, and we are looking to have guests, um... If, if anyone who has a story that they want to discuss or share, I'm looking to highlight firehouses, precincts. I'm looking to, to highlight um, EMS stations, companies, agencies, departments. We're looking to go into topics of discussion that affect the first responder world. And um, this is the place where you want to come and you want to bring it. Uh, we're highlighting... Recently, we had on a congressional candidate who, you know, is an EMT and also an, an RN. I got a, a mayor or two that I know that have history and emergency services. Uh, so, you know, this place is open to politicians. We're not a political show. But listen, you'll find that first responders have branched into more than just, you know, becoming law enforcement or EMS. We've branched out into, you know, politics. We're shaping the world. You know, and it all started by being an EMT or being a firefighter or being a police officer. But we grow up and we launch out into the world and we're affecting the world. And this is the place where we're going to talk about it. So I guess you could call this moving into the next season of the show. But I'm very excited for what's to come. I'm very excited for the content we're going to be bringing September 26th. I will be down running the um, Tunnel to Towers 5K. And, you know, hopefully I'll see some of you there if you're in the New York City area. Um, otherwise, you can always tune in here and, and, you know, we'll talk about the hottest topics in the industry and, and the best, the best um, experts and professionals. Uh, you know, whether you're a rookie, uh, police officer or EMT, or you are the vice president of the biggest agency there is, you have a voice here at the Lights and Sirens podcast. So, you know, tune in and just uh, be ready for what's to come. Thank you. Bernie Robinson signing off.